Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. All right, how's everybody doing, huh? You guys doing good? Great to see everyone. All right, happy Valentine's Day, right? Remember, guys, it's Valentine's Day. Pastor's helping you out in case you forgot that. Come on, you still have time to sneak by Walgreens right over here and get the $9.99 Valentine's Day kit. I'm only, <laughs> I'm only kidding. So happy Valentine's Day. Obviously, my Valentine, my wife. Happy Valentine's Day, honey. You're my only Valentine. And sitting right next to her is my second Valentine, my mom. Yes, hello, Mom. Happy Valentine's Day. But, uh, man, would you please help me welcome all of our locations right now? Everybody watching online, let's put our hands together. We're so glad that you're with us. And, uh, and uh, we know that it is a holiday weekend, and so we appreciate you tuning in online if you're out of town uh, this weekend. It's a great way to keep in the flow with what's going on here at Celebration. And we are continuing in our series, Sex and sensibility. How about Cy Rogers last weekend, huh? Like, wow. <clears throat> wow, we can't wait to have Cy back. That was just so powerful. So uh, we're gonna jump right into the message today. But before we do, I just wanna give you a little bit of an update on our Heart for the House initiatives this year. Okay, so remember back in December when we took up our Heart for the House offering and we had a goal that we wanted to hit? Remember we had, I think it was five or six initiatives. Remember we're building a new uh, facility at Orange Park. Come on, a 1,500-seat worship center out there. Um, we also have a campus out at the beaches uh, that we're gonna initiate. We have some great options out there. We also have uh, 650 acres and a retreat center two hours west of Jacksonville at a place called Honey Lake. It has 164,000 square feet of building space and a 300-seat uh, chapel with uh, the oldest stained glass in Florida. We'll see who's traditional when it's all said and done. All right. So your friends that say, oh, that, yeah, that church too contemporary, you tell them, hey, one of our campuses has the oldest stained glass in all of the state of Florida from the 1800s, an antique pews. So we have that retreat center and, uh, and then also Celebration Fort Lauderdale that we started last week, yeah. Which is our first info gathering. It's off and running and awesome. And then we also had the Regency Mall that we were in negotiations. We wanted to move in the Belk, uh, the Big Belt Department store building here, there at Regency Mall. However, if you remember, we didn't hit our goal. Even though we had a great year, we took in over $2 million over and above our tithe and regular giving last year. Yeah, give God a hand for that. It was our best year ever. Best year ever, and, uh, but we didn't hit our goal. We fell short of the money that was needed to secure or move forward on all of those things. And so the one that was the furthest out was the Belk at Regency. It was the most expensive. It was the, first, uh, it was the furthest thing out. We, we have to take care of OP. We have to take care of the things we wanna do for kids and, and, and the beaches and all that kind of stuff. And so the bottom line is, we just, we didn't have the money to do it. And so, as you might have seen in the press, 
this week, uh, another church, Impact Church, a good friend of mine, Pastor Davis, they had no idea that we were even had tried to get that, but it was available because we didn't have the money to do it. And so they came in and, and got it. Let me just say this. There, there was no bidding war. I saw some things in the news, you know, bidding war and celebration loses out on belt, blah, blah. It was none of that, all right? Pastor Davis did, he called the church when he heard that we were looking at it. We said, no, we, we can't do it right now. That place needs a church. You guys go ahead and, and move in there. And so it's a, great, it's a great thing for the kingdom of God. It is. So, so it, and, and it's also a good reminder. I just wanna remind everyone, listen, when we have those projects on there and we have a goal, like we're not just sitting around like, hey, let's try to take in three million, you know, like, <laughs> that money is actually strategically thought out and assigned to these projects. And if we don't, if, if you guys don't give or we don't raise the money, well, then we're just not able to do it. Are you following me? Now we're able to do most of the things that we wanna do, but we were not able to do that one. And you know, in my heart, I knew that God wanted a church there and hey, it wasn't us, but it's a win for the kingdom, okay? So let's give God a hand for that. <clears throat> and uh, I will say this, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna be announcing Orange Park. Let me tell you some great news about this year, okay? Orange Park, that we, we are not borrowing money to do that facility. It's gonna be twice as big and we're gonna do it in a third of the time and we're gonna do it for cash. How about that? Let's give God a hand for that, okay? The beaches, we have a phenomenal, two phenomenal options that we just we just need to wait out before we're absolutely sure, and we're gonna have a phenomenal beaches location. The Honey Lake Resort, watch this, what's happened to the church. An investment group is buying that for the church, so there's no cash out on the church except for the additional youth buildings that we wanna build. That should close in two weeks. How about that? How about that for God? Huh? And, and as I said, our Fort Lauderdale campus is already off and running. We'll also be opening up celebration at Honey Lake, and, uh, and so we'll be doing that in the fall. So what I'm saying, all in all, how many of you know that's, that's a lot of kingdom expansion in one year, all right? And so just wanted to give you guys an update, and I wanna thank you for your giving. Don't be discouraged. You know, we, we're always gonna, we're, we're believing God, and he's called us to build a gate around the city. That retreat center is so important because he's called us to freedom. When God spoke to me that vision about our youth and, and, and reaching the next generation and, and going to war uh, for them last year, the very next thing that he started to speak to me, he's like, Stovall, they've gotta get free. They've gotta get free. There has to be a freedom mechanism that is systemic and sustainable in our church. And that retreat center is gonna be a place of freedom. We're gonna have so many marriage retreats and youth retreats and men's retreats and women's retreats and the goal's gonna be freedom. And uh, so we're really excited about that, all right? So let's go ahead and let's jump in to the message today. You can go to Luke chapter five. And as you're going to Luke chapter five, I just wanna remind everyone of a couple of things, just kind of remind everyone about our mission and vision and values here at Celebration. And it will really kind of tie into this message and also the groups and serving teams expo that you see out there. So you know this if you've been coming to Celebration for a while, if you're new, this is good stuff to know our mission statement. Put our mission statement up there. Our mission statement, 
We are leading people to experience a God first life. This is our unique way of saying the Great Commission. And we get that out of Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you. God spoke to me that scripture early in my walk with him. It's kind of become a theme scripture for my life and that is our mission. We believe in a God first life here at Celebration and we're leading people to experience a God first life because a relationship with God is an experience. Okay, so our values. In other words, how do we, what do we get people to engage in so that they can live and lead a God first life? Our values, okay? Worship, these are all biblical values. Worship, community, equipping, serving, and outreach. So in other words, for someone to truly experience a God first life, here's what we know biblically, the, the practices that people have to engage in to experience that God first life or to experience the life that Jesus wants them to have. Worship, right? Not only worshiping God like we did today, but worship would also include prayer. It would also include devotionals in God's word. Community, that's what you see out there today. Where, where do you experience community? In the context of relationships, whether it's in a group or a, a, you know, a group of friends or a serving team. There's equipping. A lot of our classes out there, we wanna equip you in the specific areas uh, that you're struggling in or have questions about. And then of course, there's serving and then there's outreach, okay? So those are the practices that we want people to engage in so they can experience the God first life. But what we also wanna roll out this year is what does this look like in the discipleship process? So in other words, if you're new today and you said, okay, Stovall, what do you, what, what's the process here? What are the steps uh, that I'm to go to through to experience this life, okay? It's real simple. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose. And we want you to make a difference. Let's say that together. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. That's what our discipleship process is here at Celebration. And everything that we design here, the worship and our classes and groups and serving teams, it's all to engage you so that you can know God, so that you can find freedom, so that you can discover your purpose, and so that together we can all make a big eternal difference for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, can you put your hands together for that? And so relationships are a crucial part of that. And we're gonna look at a story here in Luke chapter five of a young man that finds freedom. He finds freedom. So I'm <clears throat> go to Luke chapter five. I'm gonna begin reading at verse 17, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your word. And God, I just pray that you help us. Lord, help us in this year, Lord, to know you to find freedom, to discover our purpose, and to make a difference. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. This is a great story. Some of you might be familiar with this story. This is the story where there's this paralytic, this young man who's a paralytic, and he has these friends that help him get to Jesus. And what's gonna happen is they're gonna go to this house. So Jesus is teaching in this house, right? And there's all these crowds of people listening to Jesus teach. And so they can't get their friend who's paralyzed. They, they can't get him in through the doors and into the house up to Jesus. So watch this. 
They get up on the roof. They bring their friend up there. They break in on top of the roof and lower him down in the house right in front of Jesus. It's an amazing story, but I've always wondered, you know, we're, we all celebrate it and it's a great story of healing and all this stuff, but how do you feel like the owner of the house felt? You know what I'm saying? Like people vandalizing his roof. So I'm not sure how the owner of the house felt, but all in all, it was a big time miracle. So let's take a look at it, okay? <clears throat> it says, now it happened on a certain day. Everybody say certain day. I just wanna remind you, listen, as you're coming to church, as you're believing God, as you're praying, as you're coming to the altar, there might be things on your life that you really wish would change. There might be things in your life that you feel like are holding you back or addictions or, 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 or things that you really wanna see God move in. I wanna remind you that if you are faithful, if you do not grow weary in well-doing, that one day there is a certain day appointed for you by God where God is gonna step in your shoes and bring you the freedom and the healing that you've been looking for. Remember this, back at the start of the year in that 21 day fast, God spoke to me loud and clear. He said, Stovall, this year is gonna be a different year. It's a year of freedom. Things are, when I'm getting the, the, God's word for our church, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Stovall, in the church, in people's lives of celebration, this year, things are gonna change that have not changed in years past. This year, people are gonna reap where they have not sown. This year, I'm gonna bring clarity and I'm gonna be, bring order in, 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 in places where people have had chaos and confusion and pain for years. And I was, I was telling this to the staff and to the congregation early in the year, and my wife uh, came and she said, Stovall, did you know that this year on the Hebrew calendar, it's actually the 50th year, it's the year of Jubilee in the Hebrew calendar. And then it's also, there's something, how many years from when Jesus, it's the, it's the 40th Jubilee from when Jesus walked the earth and the 70th Jubilee from when Joshua and the children of Israel, came. my wife's a Hebrew scholar, so now you see where I get all material and, material and content from, right? My wife, I mean, someone has to be smart in this relationship, so anyway. So if you, if you understand the year of Jubilee, that's a very prophetic year. The Jubilee is all about, you can read it in Isaiah, it's to set the captives free. It's to break every yoke. So I really believe that if you will receive, the Bible says do not despise prophecies. Listen, if you will receive that, I believe that this year things are gonna break off your life that haven't been broken, that things are gonna change in your life that have not changed. And I'm just telling you, I believe that this is gonna be the most supernatural year that any of us have ever had. If you will believe it and if you will press in, I'm telling you, there is a certain day coming to your life this year. Look at this, it says, certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, a man brought on a bed, I'm sorry, then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. How many of you want some friends like this? 
How many of you want some friends that'll go the, go the extra mile to get you the help that you need? How many of you need some friends that are gonna lift you up and not push you down? Man, this is what I'm talking about. This is the power of community. What community does is community helps and lift people. The community helps people when certain people can't help themselves. If you fall down, the Bible says, woe to those who fall and no one's around to pick them up. The right type of relationships are always gonna pick you up. They're always gonna help you. They're always gonna move you forward. And thank God this paralyzed man had the right kind of relationships. He was probably in a celebration church freedom group. <laughs> or he was in a men's group. Or he was, you know, he was, he was, he was on our softball team, men's softball team, or the football team, or the basket weaving club, or what I mean, we've got every type of group out there. He was in a serving team because he had people that understood this guy's down, and we need to get him to the only person that can help him. See, many times we forget that, that we're the hands and feet of Jesus. The church puts on the flesh of Christ, and we become the extended hand of Jesus to help people around us. Verse 19 says, and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Man, what great friends. Verse 20, very important, watch this. When he, Jesus, saw their faith. See, faith can be seen. If you want freedom or, 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 or if you want to take your, message, your marriage to the next level, where is the faith that can be seen? If you want to get real solutions with budgeting and your finances that you can find in our FPU, Financial Peace University groups, where is the faith that can be seen? In other words, it takes faith. You know what? Man, I want to really work on my marriage this year. I'm going to go to a marriage group. Guess what? Jesus is going to see your faith. If you say, you know what? I really want to get my finances in order, really learn how to budget and invest and all those kind of things. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to take the extra step. I'm going to take the action, and I'm going to go to an FPU group. You know what? Jesus sees your faith. Faith is putting action to your belief. Or, you know what, I just need to get around the right group of people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get involved in a serving team. Community takes place within a serving team. Jesus sees your faith. See, too many people think, well, God will just respond to my need. God does not respond to need. He responds to faith. If God responded to just need, there'd be no hungry people. There'd be no sick people. There'd be no hurting people. Are you following me? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In other words, God meets our need through our faith. Jesus saw their faith. This guy, watch. You know what they could have done? They could have brought this guy to the, you know, they're bringing him to the house. They see the crowds, watch. Oh, I'm getting something. They see the crowds. They see it's too hard to get in. It's gonna to be too much trouble. Man, I don't know, that class meets on Thursday night at seven o'clock. Man, I don't know, it's kinda of awkward meeting new people. It's too much trouble. So they just could have laid back and said, well, you know, you can, 
you can hear what Jesus has to say from here. And this man would have never received the freedom that God wanted him to receive. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you want freedom and breakthrough, there has to be some action around your desire. There has to be some faith. Well, you know, if I sign, I don't know anybody that's gonna meet. I mean, welcome to life. How many of you, you've ever started a new job? You don't know many people. Guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna go in and meet them. Or you go to school or you have a new class or you sign up for, um, what is uh, Pastor Chris Brooks and, and Drew King? What's that class they take? Pilates? What's, uh, <laughs> what is Pastor Brad Cruz and Q take? It's something, some kind of go-to-go dancing class at LA Fitness. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But what I'm trying to say is, look, there has to be some action with your belief, with your desire. Look what Jesus says. He says, when he saw their faith, he said to him, look, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Look at this. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who is this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Come on, they answer their own question. In other words, Jesus is God. You've answered your own question. Verse 21. It says, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk? In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. Forgiveness and freedom are completely interrelated. It takes no more effort for me to bring freedom and healing in someone's life than it does for me to bring forgiveness in someone's life. No God, forgiveness, find freedom. They go hand in hand. Jesus is saying it's all in one to me. Salvation means wholeness. This is all, all one big pie for me. He goes on to say verse 23. It says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on. He had authority over what had been holding him down. He got authority over what had been associated with pulling him back. And look at this. And he departed to his own house, glorifying God. Come on, give God a hand. It's a great, it's a great story. But Let me unpack just a few things about this story that you might not know. It's real interesting. Here's this great group of friends. What, what, what a great community here. And these guys are gonna bring their friend who's been paralyzed and they're gonna get him before Jesus because they know that Jesus is what this guy really needs. And they lower him in on the bed, but instead of Jesus healing him like he has done to many people, you know, they come to him sick, you know, be healed and they're healed. Instead of healing him, Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven you. Now, let me tell you why Jesus did this. Because tradition 
and rabbinic teaching say that the reason that this man was paralyzed was because he had a sexually transmitted disease. In other words, this man had not been sensible with his sex, sex and sensibility. He did not manage his attraction well. He didn't practice good sexual stewardship. This is where we're all going in this series over the next few weeks. We're gonna talk about managing attraction. We're gonna talk about sexual stewardship. We're gonna talk about the difference between attraction, orientation, and identity. We're gonna talk about all these things and how it works because this guy was disconnected from God and he was in a lifestyle where he was obviously having sex with multiple partners. He contracted a a sexually transmitted disease. This is what tradition teaches and rabbinic teaching teach this. And that disease had paralyzed him. And so that's why when he was lowered before Jesus, Jesus didn't immediately say, you're healed or get up and walk. Jesus looked at him and said, your sins, your sins that put you in this predicament, your sins, your own sin that put you in this place of paralysis, your own sins that put you in this crippling state like this. I wanna let you know those sins are forgiven. And the very things that you did to yourself to put you in this situation, I'm gonna undo just like that by the love and grace and mercy of God. Come on, can you give God a hand? See, here's what Jesus knew. This man, his friends, they probably just wanted, well, why isn't Jesus healing him yet? See, Jesus knew that this man, his sins put him in this predicament. And so he had to first settle this forgiveness issue because you think about it. You know, people that have been, um, you know, guilt and shame, you know, the sexual sins or other sins, there's the guilt, there's the shame, there's the condemnation. And what happens in a person's life is when they're carrying all that baggage, you know what? They're they're paralyzed spiritually. They always feel condemned. They don't feel clean. They can't get a breakthrough with God. They're they're, they're, they're paralyzed emotionally. Things that have happened to them and all that emotional baggage. They're paralyzed spiritually. They're paralyzed emotionally. They're paralyzed relationally. They can't connect or or the relationships, their filters, you know, sometimes uh, a man's filter of a woman or a woman's of a man or, you know, whatever else is going on out there. There's an unhealthy, they they can't really, they're paralyzed in a way relationally. See, this man's physical paralysis represents the paralysis that sin brings in our lives. And before we get free, we have to reconcile in our hearts this forgiveness issue 
that Jesus brings immediately every time we come to him. So here's what I wanna say. If you're dealing with guilt or shame or condemnation or confusion, if you feel like that there's a paralysis in your life, spiritually, emotionally, or relationally due to your past, I wanna say to you on the authority of the word of God and in the name of Jesus that if you come to Jesus, your sins are forgiven. They are washed away. It is you are justified. It is just as though you've never sinned. The things that held you down, God is going to undo and lift you up. He's going to undo the heavy burden. He's going to set the captives free. He's going to break every yoke. God is going to come into your life this year and set you free once and for all by the power of the forgiveness of Jesus. Man, I love Jesus. You know why? Think about this. You know who was, you know who was crowding, the, you know who was the majority of people that was keeping this guy from Jesus? We just read about it. The Pharisees and teachers of religious law, they came from Judea and Jerusalem. They were all around Jesus. See, here's what happens. Religion tries to keep people in condemnation and in bondage that they've messed up and you've sinned too many times and you're too much of a mess up and oh, you're a monster and nobody struggles with that and you, you, you're too dirty to come to God. Listen to me, that is the enemy, that is religion and you need a group of friends that knows how to get you around religion, get you out of that condemnation, get you out of that mess and get you to Jesus! Let me just give you a few things here. Watch this. This guy had some good relationships, but how many of you know in his past, he had some bad relationships? Here's the thing we need to understand about community. There's good community and there's bad community. Okay? Relationships break and relationships heal that up there. Relationships break and relationships heal. How many of you in your past, you've experienced some pain and brokenness due to unhealthy relationships? <laughs> Don't point at the person next to you, okay? We're talking about so, so people like, Heath right here, can you fix him? Can you fix him, please? Watch, but just as we can experience pain and bad things and unhealthiness and brokenness, think about this man who was paralyzed because of all of the bad relationships and ungodly community that he had experienced. Guess what? He found the right relationships and those relationships got him to Jesus and encouraged him so relationships also heal. That's the power of community. That's the power of being around the right people. I would even say this about your life right now. Where you are right now is the sum total of your relationships, good and bad. We weren't meant, we weren't designed to live this life alone. And when we talk about the discipleship process, to know God, find freedom,
discover your purpose and make a difference, when we talk about the discipleship process, I want you to think about how many of you, the Bible says go and make disciples, a disciplined follower. How many of you want to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, right? Okay, so watch this. Well, what does that mean? So we get questions all the time. You know, what's your, what is your discipleship process? Listen, a discipleship process is not a six-week class. You don't attend eight weeks of discipleship and now you're a disciple. It is a lifestyle. It is a following of Jesus. It's actually becoming like Jesus, right? So when you talk about, uh, uh, you know, what's a disciple, Christian, listen to this, Christian actually means little Christ, little Jesuses. God, that's intimidating, isn't it? I mean, talk about not living up to the family name or the family expectation, you know? So we say, you know, be like Jesus. Well, what is it? Be like Jesus. How many of you, if I tell you, just be like Jesus, it's like, well, I'm out of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't be like, I can't be perfect like Jesus. I can't be sinless like Jesus. I can't walk on water like Jesus. That's not what it means to be like Jesus. See, here's, here, when we see in the life of Jesus, watch this, Jesus, he was secure in who he was. That was the first temptation in the wilderness, you know. If you're the son of God, make these stones into bread. If you're the son of God. See, it was attack on his identity, who he was. Here's, when it talks about being like Jesus, Jesus was submitted to his father, okay? Now, Jesus was perfect, but you know what? We have grace, and grace fills in the gap from our lack of perfection to God's standard. Come on, can you thank Jesus for grace? He gives us grace. So, let me, when we talk about being like Jesus, here's what we mean. Put this on the board. Here's what we mean. To be mature and secure. To be mature and secure. In other words, we're growing in our relationship with God. We're knowing God. We're finding freedom. We're continuing to discover our purpose. We're continuing to go to the next level and make a difference. We're, 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 we're growing in our relationship with Jesus, and we're secure. We know who we are in Christ and whose we are. We know, number one, we belong to God, regardless of what anybody thinks about me. You know what? God loves me no matter what. No matter what I do or don't do, God loves me. He, doesn't, he can't love me any more or, or any less. God loves, I'm so valuable. I'm so valuable to God that he sent his own son to suffer for me and place my sins on his own son. That's how valuable I am. That's how valuable you are. Jesus didn't die for the sins of the world like the world is a corporate corporate entity. It's the plurality of individuals. Your specific sins were laid upon Jesus. You were that valuable to God. You were so important to God. You belong to God. That's who you are in Christ at the foundational level. To be mature and secure. But this process of maturity, here's the thing. It can really only happen in the context of community, okay? Anybody, you know all the one another's of the Bible? I think there's 47 one another's of the Bible. Love one another, forgive one another, you know, be kind to one another, you know, rebuke one another. No, I'm kidding, that one's not in there. I wish it was, but you know. 
you realize that to obey those one another's, there has to be another besides you. And it's not just your spouse or your kids. It's talking about the context of community. Let me tell you how this worked in my life. Okay, so I got saved. I was, um, y'all know my story in the drug scene and in the bar scene and all that stuff and, and a bouncer working at this club and all that kind of stuff. So I got saved. Man, God did such an amazing work in me. And I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I was on fire for God. Started going to church. Was going to church every Sunday. Started going to the college. It was kind of like the sub 30 uh, where I was, the, the college and career group there, man. I was, and it was awesome. I was on fire. But here's what happened. I could never get really consistent in several areas. My walk was kind of like this. Like I'd be on fire, great for God one day. But now remember, I didn't really grow up in a God-centered home, okay? So anyone out in the club scene and all that, all those appetites, sex, drugs, all that stuff has been awakened big time. So I love Jesus. I'm on fire for God, but a bunch of times, in those first couple of years, I'd give in to temptation. I would, you know what I'd do. <laughs> I'm a young man, you know? And, and, and man, the condemnation of the enemy, because listen, I'm, oh man, I was saved. I love God. I didn't want to do it. But I would get in these environments or these girls or I'm not blaming it on them. I'm just saying it was me. It was all me, all right? But things would happen. And, and I never went back to the full way that I was, but I would just have episodes for a while. You following me? You know, some, some episodes and, and things like that. And uh, finally, after a couple of years, thank God that I discovered a friend who was like one of these friends that brought this paralyzed guy to Jesus. And he came to me and he said, you know what, Stovall, I'm, uh, I'm starting a, a Bible study and I'm inviting about eight or 10 guys, young guys like yourself. We're gonna, it's gonna be six months. We're just gonna meet together and we're gonna go over some scriptures, but we're really just gonna kind of, you know, talk and, and, and pray and things like that. Man, that was the greatest experience of my life. Here's what happened. I went to that Bible study. You know what? I found that all those young guys were struggling with the same things that I was struggling with. I found that, and not just sex stuff or going back to partying now and then or whatever. It was not just that. Like It was more like, it was like questions about God, questions about the Bible. Why do we feel condemned and, and learning how to process God's grace and learning, watch, 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 becoming mature and secure. That I know who I am I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I belong to God. I understand the grace of God and I can grow in that grace. Can I tell you this? I grew more in those six months with that group of guys than I had in the previous two years of just going to church on Sunday, okay? And here's why, watch, and, and here's why, okay? Because only in the context of community can inspiration become impartation. 
I heard inspiration from the word of God. I heard, you know, take authority in Jesus' name and you're an overcomer and this and that. I was inspired by the word of God, but that inspiration could not become impartation until I got in the context of community of relationships where I could actually work out my salvation and the inspiration that was within me through God could become real life worked out impartation. Are you following me? Think about this guy, man. His friends could have just, they could have got there and okay, just listen to Jesus preach. Listen to Jesus preach. Inspiration, 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 but there's no healing. There's no freedom. So thank God he was with a group of guys that know, you know what? We're in community and we're gonna make sure that that inspiration that you hear is gonna become impartation in your life. So we're gonna do what it takes. Come on. We're gonna get you, look, we're gonna get you before Jesus so now inspiration can become impartation and you can become the walking embodiment of healing and freedom and forgiveness that you've been hearing from this man for so many months. Only in the context of community can inspiration become impartation. Have you ever thought about this? Why does the Bible say where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'm in the midst of them? Well, isn't Jesus in the midst with this one-on-one? Yeah, right? Two or three are gathered, there I'm in the midst of them. That language, midst of them, it means present to perform. Why does it say this? Why does Jesus say this? If two or three touching any one thing, agree on that thing, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. Well, can't we just pray individually in Jesus' name and, and God will do that? Well, well, yes, however, but in the context of community, there is a greater power of God's impartation and ability to perform. Why does the Bible say if one can set a thousand to flight, Two can set what? 10,000. Not two can set 2,000, but two can set what? 10,000. Why? Because in the context of community, inspiration becomes impartation and it's multiplied power to perform. Why did Jesus, when he did the miracle of the fish and the loaves, first he fed the 5,000, then he fed the 4,000. Remember after he blessed it and broke it? Inspiration, it multiplied. You know what Jesus said? He said, all right, I need everybody to sit down in groups. And if you study that, it tells them that they sat down in the traditional Jewish way. It was like a U. It was like a semicircle. It was like they were all having dinner together in the context of community. If you did not get in community, you received no fish and loaves. Oh, you saw the miracle. You saw the inspiration, but it couldn't become impartation in your real life unless you got in the context of community. How many of you are familiar with the doctrine of laying on of hands? The doctrine of laying on of hands is one of the foundational doctrines. Uh, I'm sorry, one of the foundational doctrines. Hebrews chapter six, there's all kinds of scriptures. Remember, you can look in Acts where they would lay their hands on people. They'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or you could think about, remember, Timothy, and Paul says, stir up the gift 
that's within you that was called out or developed that came through the laying on of hands. Well, wait, hold on. Well, can't God fill me with the Holy Spirit without the laying on of hands? Yes. Can't God stir up the gifts, discovering my purpose? Can't he do that without the laying on of hands? Well, yeah. But see, the principle of the laying on of hands, what happens? Can I borrow your head? <laughs> so watch this. Okay, you help me lay on hands. You stand up. So watch this. Here's how the laying on of hands are you ready? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So watch this. So we lay on hands. So, so watch this. She's got a calling. God wants to perform in the midst, present to perform, miracle, breakthrough, call out a gift, stir, whatever that is, okay? He wants to do that. So watch. We lay our hands. Put your hand on there. Now look. It's the context of community. The principle of laying on of hands has to do with the context of community. Inspiration can only become impartation in the context of community where two or three are gathered. There I am in the midst. There I am ready to perform. Come on, can you give God a hand for that? Thank you. Are you okay? <laughs> So here's what I want to say, okay? I'm closing. It's my first close. I only had two closes last service. All right, my first close, okay? You could say this. When I was in that group, remember, and, and after that group, that group ended after six months. Then I just went on. I went to like a regular, it was a sub-30 type group, guys and girls. And, and ever since then, I've been involved in some type of group. But here's what I'm trying to say. When I was in that group of guys, it was like this. We all had a shared weakness. Our shared weakness was what? We're sinners. <laughs> we have a sin nature. We're vulnerable. It's easy for us to get conde condemned. It's easy for us to yield to temptation. We all have a shared weakness, but you know what? We have a common goal. We want to be everything that God's called us to be. We want to walk in forgiveness and the grace of God. We want to have power and overcome. Are you following me? Watch. You know what a support group is? The definition of a support group? whether it's AA or NA or divorce recovery or whatever it is like that, the definition of a support group is people that have a shared weakness but have a common goal. So we could say this, okay, whether it's an athletic team, a serving team, a financial peace class, a freedom group, I would highly recommend those freedom groups are just so powerful. It's a great group to get in. No matter what it is, the softball team, a Bible study, no matter what it is, watch. I think they could all come under the umbrella of S.A., Sinners Anonymous, because we all have a shared weakness, right? We're all vulnerable. We're all subject to temptation. We all start getting crazy when we drift from God. Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We all have flesh, so we all have a shared weakness. But come on, we also have a shared savior and we have a common goal. And God wants us to be everything that he's called us to be. And I'm telling you, if you'll get in to the context of community,
community. God will take inspiration. He'll take what you've heard for years. He'll take what you've hoped for for years and He'll bring impartation into your life where it becomes a reality. And just like this man that you saw in this story, man, the day will come when Jesus says, arise, take up your mat and go home. You're gonna come in to a new place of freedom in your life in 2016. Come on, do you believe that? Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.